took a big chunk off me. Bleeding. It's bleeding. I know it's bleeding. The thing just ripped me ear off. What do you think? Hello, everyone, and a warm welcome once again to Eddie and Steve-O, the podcast. This is edition four. As ever, a busy half hour's on the way. So much to talk about as we head into the last chance saloon in Super League. It's semi-final time. But first, the season has finally ended in Australia. The state of origin decider went Queensland's way, 20 points to 14. What a thriller it was, Steve-O. And so nearly a New South Wales upset. Eddie, what a game. It was outstanding. Though I do think that uh, Queensland, it looked as though they were going to throw it away late in that game by giving up three penalties with a few minutes to go. And I thought New South Wales are going to snatch this when, to be fair, they didn't deserve it. I thought Queensland were far superior. They never allowed New South Wales to get back into the swinging game. The three-quarter line wasn't connecting correctly like they did last week in Sydney. And it was all down to very solid defence. It's always a difficult place to go to, Brisbane, isn't it, for New South Wales? Until today, they'd lost, Queensland that is, they'd lost only two of 11 deciders that were played up there in Brisbane. And they were ahead inside four minutes. The writing was on the wall. Yeah, we knew what they'd come out. They'd come out all firing. But I, I was surprised that New South Wales didn't understand that. But they never really got into this thing of thing. And I thought the way that Queensland, they were kicking early in the tackle count. They were forcing the Blues back into their own quarter and they couldn't get out of it. It was fantastic tactics. But what about the super substitute, Harry Grant? If ever a man, a hooker, changed the game, he did it within the space of 15 minutes. He was outstanding and he was the difference. He was, and uh, still only a very young man as well, Wayne Bennett pitching him in. Wayne Bennett, his first State of Origin win since 2001, and Queensland lift the trophy for the first time since 2017. Wayne has done it again. Yeah, we, we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago in regards to, we know he's a good coach. Uh, the reason why everybody said that he's a bad coach was that he didn't do a good job when he was the coach of Great Britain when they had the tour down to New Zealand. But I think the biggest problem there was why did he pick Australian players to play for Great Britain? While we're on the subject of Australia, can you believe these reports that were in the newspapers down under last week and have hit the, uh, the social media and the newspapers up here that the Aussies, in one form or another, are thinking of taking a stake in Super League? Why on earth would they want to do that? probably to save the game internationally. I think it's a great idea. I've always thought for a long time, why don't we get these huge companies? I'm talking about the big companies, multi-multi-billion companies to get involved into our sport, not just to be a sponsor, but to put their expertise of, say, the managers or the directors. These guys... They make billions for one company. Why don't we try to attract them 
to help make us make billions in rugby league. And let's face it, we need the money. Well, we do, but do you think there are any billionaires knocking around in the NRL? Well, I think there are probably more than what they have up here in uh, in England at the moment <laughs> in time. I don't care. Look, Apart from yourself, of course. Yeah, well, look, I, I, I don't care where it comes from. All I'm saying is it's not just about it will help, obviously, putting a few million into a particular club. But what about the expertise from these people that run these huge companies and make a fortune? for the shareholders. So there's nothing wrong with saying Wigan or St. Helens or any team, Warrington, ask NRL clubs, NRL itself, to invest, take shares in the club, not just sponsor them, help run them. Well, they could do that anyway without being involved in a sort of NRL umbrella, couldn't they? I mean... I just fear, Steve-O, that we might see the St. George Illawarra Catalan Dragons. We might see the New Zealand Warriors, Wigan Warriors. You know, it would. I think it might dilute our competition up here. That's my only fear. Well, I think you're wrong. Uh, what we really need is to ensure that some of our youngsters coming up go down to Australia and some of the Australian youngsters come up to England in their early career to find out different styles, different sort of things. And also, it may get the Australians and the uh, RFL and Super League to put themselves together and say, tell you what, why don't we play under the same rules? Well, that is a good point. We could always do with playing under the same rules, can't we? Well, let's see how it happens, how it, how it pans out over the, the coming months. I mean, Robert Elston at Super League is, is on the lookout for venture capital, he tells us. Uh, maybe this is um, a way of getting some sort of capital, some sort of investment into the game. Who knows? We'll see. Well, Eddie, I think that Elston has actually approached the NRL. I think he's been trying to get big companies in Australia to level everything off, but most of all, to make it important, international rugby league is so important to spreading our game. It's not a matter of just having four countries like we used to have. We want to spread the game. Rugby Union has done it absolutely fantastic. So there's nothing wrong with doing something like getting our heads together. But the biggest problem we have here, we keep saying it, we have two divisions. <laughs> we have the RFL against the Super League. Now, Next year or the year after, Super League will get all the TV money and RFL will get nothing. Do you think that's fair? Do you think that's going to help with all these clubs in this pandemic that have been suffering because of the lack of, lack of revenue? The amateur clubs that are going to the wall because they can't compete, they can't keep it open? It's a simple fact that we should all get our heads together and let's do it for one thing the betterment of rugby league, the greatest game of all. Get your heads together. Well, you did say that once about Morris Lindsay. Come on, Morris, get this game into the summer, and it works. So let's see if all that diatribe from you will work. Sean O'Loughlin, he has announced his retirement this week. Can he, um, can he go out with a win in another grand final, do you think? Well, he's certainly got a good chance, hasn't it, when you think about it. Uh, they, they, they really will find it difficult against Salt. Now, let's remember, Wigan sometimes have a habit, not a lot, but sometimes have a habit when it comes to the pressure 
We saw that this year in the Challenge Cup. They don't turn up. So it's not going to be easy when they play Hull. Hull showed that they had a lot of good defensive quality and they do have the players to really have a good shot at Wigan. If they're just under, if Wigan's under the the hammer early in the game, they could panic like they did in the semi-final. It can happen. It can happen. And Hull, of course, have got the added incentive. The grand final is going to be played on their own midden. It's going to be played at the KCOM. You don't have to go far too far back, do you, when you start thinking about how they were so strong when they played at Wembley. They know how to play. They know how to play what they call sudden death football. And they play it well. I thought they were outstanding last week. I really thought that they got themselves together. It was though they've just got all this pressure that had been applied. They sacked their coach. They brought in Andy Last. And there was rumours going around, well, he's not going to last. And last won't last. That's what they were trying to say. That they were trying <laughs> that they were trying to hunt different coaches to come there. Well, I think the players have got themselves together and said, hey, listen, why don't we start playing for this guy? Former player. He knows his inside out. Let's show what we can do it. Let's show those faithful fans that they can play exciting rugby league football. So it's it's not going to be easy, this semi-final. No, it isn't. And, of course, everyone in Warrington, Steve-O, I can tell you this from bitter personal experience, is blaming you for the demise of the Warrington Wolves last weekend because you tipped on this podcast last week. Steve Price was on his way out. And what happens 24 hours later? Warrington go out of the cup, out of the uh, grand final, reckoning again. Can I just correct you there? I didn't say that he was on his way out. I said that there were rumours. Yes, you did. They were rumours. Yes, exactly. That, that people weren't happy there about the coach. And people were also suggesting that they had approached the former Salford coach. That's what I stated. And you thought that Steve Price would be gone. Anyway, let's not, let's not go into that again. Uh, let's look ahead to the other <laughs> semi-final on, fri- on Friday. The Catalan Dragons are 80 minutes away from the grand final. But the big question is, can they beat the Saints? Now, they've got to do it without two of their stars. Michael McAloran, six-match ban. Joel Tompkins, an eight-match ban. St. Helens can capitalise, can't they? Well, they should. Uh, Catalan will be losing two very, very valuable players. What amazes me is why on earth did those two players want to do that late in the game, when they had the game already all wrapped up. Leeds were all over the shot. All of a sudden, wham, they cracked it. Dwyer, in an awful state, blood rushing away from all over his face. Why on earth would you want to do that? But what irritated me more than anything were the officials. They had five or six replays, and you didn't have to be Einstein to work out the fact that this poor Dwyer had been smacked by a swinging arm from McAlorum. And yet the officials did nothing. Now, those two Catalan players have paid the price. And it's a price that could prevent them going to a grand final. McAlorum and Tompkins, 14 games in total between the two of them. Steve McNamara, their coach, said after the match that he saw nothing to concern him as far as any disciplinary procedures this week were concerned. He said, at this stage, not a concern, not an issue. It's an issue now. Yeah, of course it is. 
he's got to look at his selection now and put in players that are not up to the standard of those two. But they've only got themselves to blame. Why do these stupid things when that game was well and truly? They had Leeds well and truly beaten. But, you know, the Rhinos would have had a better chance if first the Catalan side went down to 12 players and then maybe late in the game when Catalan went down to 11 players. Leeds could have come back within, and we've seen many times our team can score 12 points within the space of five minutes. It could have turned it all around. Leeds realised that they were just hammered out of it. They were not allowed to get three quarters working. The defence was superb. Probably one of the best defensive efforts that I've seen this season. And then they throw it all away with just being absolutely stupid. OK, to sum up your semi-final preview then, if I'm reading you right, you fancy the grand final could be Hull against Saints. It wouldn't surprise me if that occurred because Wigan will be a little bit nervous over the fact that they have fallen at the final hurdle a few times over the past 10 years. Just thinking about the grand final, news again this week that Mossy Masoy will deliver the match ball at Hull for the kickoff of the grand final. How great is that news that Mossy is to some extent, back on his feet and will be taking the ball out for the kickoff on grand final night. That is wonderful, wonderful news, isn't it? Outstanding. And uh, I applaud the Rugby Football League, uh, Super League, whoever made that decision, well done. Because it won't be a matter of just bringing out the trophy. It'll be the matter that so many people can see this wonderful person walk. It was something that we all wanted. This, this guy's determination to come back and say, I will walk. And boy, he has done that. And it's just amazing. And I wish him all the best for the future. Yeah, we both do. All the very best, Mossy. And uh, it'll be a wonderful moment when he takes that ball out and delivers it for the kickoff of the grand final. OK, uh, time for our brain teaser segment now that we introduced last week. You may remember the brain of World Rugby League, the one and only Ian Proctor, oh, sent you a dear. couple of questions <laughs> to ponder. Last week's answers to the questions, Prockers, it's over to you. The first one, who was the only player to have played in Game 1 of an Origin series? Replaced by his brother in game two before returning to his place, his brother in game three. So it was Steve Walters, the answer, and Kerrod Walters, the brother who replaced him. And the answer to the second question from last week, named the five Queenslanders and the four New South Welshmen who had captained and coached their state. Queensland, it was Arthur Beetson, Wally Lewis, Mal Meninga, Paul Vortin, and Kevin Walters, and the New South Welshman, Tommy Radonikis, Wayne Pierce, Laurie Daly, and Brad Fittler. And by the way, everyone, I can tell you that off mic last week, Steve-O actually got the first one right about the Walters brothers, didn't you? But as far as the second <laughs> one's concerned, you have no idea. 
No idea at all, but uh, it, well, to me, it was just a <laughs> wild guess. But, you know, sometimes a wild guess can be good. The wild card. The wild card of Steve-O. <laughs> right. On, on to this week's teasers. First one is, again, based on the State of Origin series. Here's the first one for you. This is supposed to be easy-peasy. The record number of debutants for a series decider was set by legendary New South Wales coach Frank Stanson in the very first series decider in 1982. Phil Duke, Don McKinnon and Paul Merlot all made their one and only origin appearance as the Blues went down 10-5 at the SCG. But the Maroons equalled that by giving three debutants their chance in last season's 26-20 defeat in the decider in Sydney. Who were they? Who were the three Queenslanders who made their debut in last season's decider? Oh, blimey, Steve. Well, that was allegedly e easy. <laughs> <laughs> Any ideas at all? <laughs> well, well, no. Uh, but give, uh, give me time. And, I'm, you know, give me another week. <laughs> I may be able to. But... <laughs> the one thing about Ian is that it doesn't, it doesn't make questions so that you can just check up and get on a website and find out. His research is, is amazing. That's right. Let's go to his weekly stinker for this week. And to get this one right, you'll need a brain, the equivalent of the man himself. Prockers, what have you got in store here? So the second question for this week is about this week's four playoff semi-finalists in Super League and who holds their respective playoff appearance records. To make it easier, I'm offering a choice of four players from each club and you need to select the right one. So Wigan, the league leaders who play Hull, who holds their playoff appearance record? Is it Thomas Lulawai or Andy Farrell, Pat Richards or Sean O'Loughlin? And for Hull, which of these four holds their appearance record in playoff football? Kirk Yeeman, Richard Horn, Gareth Rayner or Danny Houghton? And for St Helens, the choices are Kieran Cunningham, James Roby, Paul Wellens and Sean Long. Catalan and the choices were Thomas Bosk, Clint Greenshields, Remy Casti or Gregory Muniz. Oh, well, I tell you what, Steve-O, the, the waters get muddier and muddier every time. <laughs> he is amazing. I, listen, anybody out there, if, whoever bumps into him, you can ask him straight away. Who won the cup in so-and-so? And you don't, who played at the hooker in the test of so-and-so? And without looking at anything, is he just pricked back and he goes, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it comes out with the result. And then people... And you know away. that because yeah. many times in the past, you've been in a bar with him and you've challenged some poor soul that if you can give you this date and that date and then hand it on to Prockers, the guy who's asked the question is going to buy the drinks. Am I right? Um, you could, yes, uh, yes, 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 <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> Answers, of course, to Proctor's brain teasers next week. I'd, I'd just like to develop this theory with you, though, about the backs who don't quite make it in the NRL. Sam Tompkins, he was there for two years. Great player though he was, he never made the playoffs. Zach Hardacre has been and gone, come back. 
Chris Thorman, Jordan Tanzi, Joe Burgess at Wigan. I mean, the list seems to be endless. The forwards make it all the time. The three quarters, they always struggle. And I'm sure it's not just because the centre doesn't give it to the winger every, every match they play in. Well, Ryan Hall, I would have to disagree because I saw all those games that Ryan Hall played in for the Roosters and they never passed the ball to him. Getting back to the other three quarters, you've also got to understand that I think the standard of defence in the three-quarter line down under is far stronger than what we have in this country. And that's a major reason why they can't score tries at will like they do here in England. I know that they all want to to test themselves in the best competition in the world. I can understand that. But they do come back somewhat chastened, don't they? Well, I think they call it tails between their legs. But you've got to look at the quality <laughs> the quality of these players. They settle back into the style of, of English play. And they're still quality players, without a doubt. And I'm sure that they will give quite a lot to the clubs that, they've, that they come back to, which they have. Over in Australia, okay. they have this wonderful saying, defence will win you games. Simple. Gareth O'Brien, a three-year deal at Castleford, was at Toronto. Uh, that's a great bit of business for Cass. And uh, Tanganoa, a new deal at Wakefield till the end of 2024. Uh, he's not missed a match, you know, since he came over midway through last year. And he's been a great signing for Wakefield. Yeah, and I, I think it's great, especially with O'Brien, you know, having the problems of not being paid by Toronto. Uh, he'll be very, very pleased, as I'm sure the Tiger fans will be as well. A three-year deal, well done. Not many players can uh, say they're going to get a three-year deal. It's quality, we know that. And the one thing about it, he can play under pressure. And that's what Castleford need. They were disappointing this year with Cass. I really thought they'd do a lot better. Well, we see how it all pans out in 2021. Um, we're coming to the end of 2020, and a lot of us thought we'd never get to this stage, a semi-final uh, weekend and a grand final looming on the horizon. But, Steve, oh, oh boy, you will not be in Blighty, in the old dart, in the United Kingdom, in England, in London or anywhere else to see the grand final because you're heading back to Australia within the next 24 hours. I most certainly will be on that plane, Eddie, because I've had three, <laughs> three flights cancelled already. I should have been back in Australia a month ago, but obviously the problems with the, the pandemic, that has been the case where they've only allowed so many Australians. I have an Australian passport, thankfully. Otherwise, yes, a I passport wouldn't... of convenience. Yes, yeah, otherwise, I would... uh, let me finish. Uh, otherwise, <laughs> I would not be allowed into the country. Uh, they've been very, very strict, so strict that you can't go from one state to another, Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria, etc. And that's been one of the major reasons why they've kept this virus under control. But the one thing I'm not looking Why the heck? To... Why the heck are they letting you in then? If they're trying to keep the virus under control, what on earth are they letting you in for? Well, I'll tell you the reason. I have to isolate in a hotel room in Sydney, in the room itself. Oh. I'm, I'm not allowed out oh. onto the balcony. 
if they have a balcony. I'm not allowed out onto the stairwell or the passageway. I have to stay in that room for 14 days, 14 nights. Do my own washing, do my own cooking. That's if they've got a hob there for me or a or a microwave. And they're doing oh, four- you're telling me you're telling me you're telling me you're not in a five star hotel overlooking <laughs> the uh, Sydney Harbour and looking at the Opera House. You're not telling me you're not telling me you're going into a garret somewhere in Sydney, are you? Well, I know. Who knows? It's the government that makes that decision. So I've got no idea. But it doesn't matter whether I go into a five or six star or a four star. It's not the people who are cooking the meals in the hotel. It's been done by outside catering. And I've seen quite a few po- uh, photos that have been posted on the website, and it doesn't look exciting at all. So you're being locked up when you get back home to Australia. That's what you're telling me. Will they have Wi-Fi? This is the important thing. Will they have a decent Wi-Fi signal so we can do this again next week? Well, you have to pay for it because I know if you've got to pay for a Wi-Fi for a week you won't, or a fortnight, you won't be on. <coughs> Excuse me, what was that again? Hey, I don't mind paying Eddie just to speak to you. It will be a pleasure. (laughs) All right. Well, I'll keep my fingers crossed that we'll actually see you and hear you next week uh, on the podcast. Safe home and uh, enjoy the lockup when you get there. Make sure there's no bars on the window.